What to do, fam? Welcome to another episode of the Myths That Make Us podcast. Today we have on one of my close brothers, Zarin Beatty. This dude has been on the path with me for the last, I don't know, seven years. Uh, when I really first started to step out of my comfort zone was when I bought my first online course, and that was Aubrey Marcus's Go For Your Win, probably seven years ago. And when we had the first graduation of that course in person, it was in Austin, and that was before I lived in Austin, the dude who sat at the table with me in the back of the room was Zarin. I don't know who he was at the time. And when we first met each other, we just gave each other really long eye contact, big hug. And what's been really cool is like every year or two, we find each other at some event that we're both at and we make eye contact again. And we're just like, dude, look at how far we've come since the last time that we've seen each other. And this reoccurring, reemerging and reweaving of our lives have happened over and over again. And the most recent time that we've reconnected was when he started his online mastermind. And I was one of the, um, you know, like additional coaches that came on and we did a masterclass and it was really potent. It was really powerful. And I'm so proud of this dude. And he asked if he could come on the podcast to, you know, talk about our experiences together and to talk about the next launching of his mastermind, which I believe the deadline for the next one is going to be April 1st. And if you want the full details on um, the pricing and the discounting and all that stuff, the details will be in the show notes. But I invite you just listen to this dude's energy. Uh, we had the opportunity to record this podcast in person. And I don't get to do that often um, because of the current cultural climate that we're in. We had some really special moments. You guys are going to really enjoy this podcast. Uh, I was able to step out of the normal routine that I do where I do mostly just question asking because he's been on before and we really got to like rap and just to share back and forth our ideas on different subjects. And so the vibe of this podcast is a little bit different and I think you guys are going to deeply enjoy it. And as always, uh, this podcast is made possible for a couple of reasons. The first is my um, journaling course. If you're interested in making journaling a habit, go check out the course. Hundreds of people have bought it so far. I've had nobody ask for a refund, so it must be doing something right. If you want to check that out, go to ericgotzi.com and click on the button at the top that says Make Your Myth. And I'm also really excited to announce that uh, I'm about to launch the beta version of the Dharma Journal to about 15 or 20 people. And then once that's all done and we integrate the feedback, we'll be launching it out to everybody. And it's going to be a digital journal that's going to essentially help you create a map for your ideal life and how to move towards it every day in a way that is beautiful. Like... I use it every day and I'm really excited to share it with you guys. And that's going to be one fitty when it's ready to come out. So keep your eyes peeled because it's coming. As always, thank you so much for your time and for your attention because it could be 
in so many places. And I deeply appreciate that you chose to bring it here. So without further ado, my boy, Zarin. Love y'all. Zarin, welcome back to the podcast. I've had you on in the past, and uh, I want to share a story for people listening, just so people understand uh, how special our relationship is. Um, I remember the first time that I met you was the first time that I basically did anything outside of my comfort zone, which was the culmination of having bought Aubrey's online course, Go For Your Win, like what? six years ago now, five years ago. And that was the first online course I'd ever bought. It's the first time I really did anything outside of what I was comfortable doing. And then he had an in-person graduation in Austin. And you and I happened to sit at the same fucking table. And there was this instant resonance. Uh, You are infamous for your eye contact and your presence. And I've grown to become infamous for the same thing. When two of those type of forces come together, if my memory serves me correctly, the first time that we met was a very long, not awkward eye contact and breathing session that happened spontaneously in the middle of people awkwardly trying to jockey for what seat they could get closest to Aubrey at the front of the thing. And we were actually in the back, which was interesting. I I pay attention to like where people choose to sit when they first go to like some new environment. And my people tend to be the people who sit in the back. That's a different story. And then there's been this really beautiful, like cyclical dance that we've had where like every year there's some event through Aubrey's tentacles where we find each other again. And there's just this moment of like, I remember when I saw you at the, at the start line and I love the way that you're running the race. And we've just done this like four or five or six or seven times now. And um, both of us, kind of our spiritual grandfather that we've met in person is Don Howard and we have that energy flowing through us. And I have a particular intensity with which I have said yes to like my call that I don't see in most people. You're one of the people that I see that has a similar fucking intensity to like, I've said yes to a thing. And if me honoring saying yes to the spirit of that thing requires me to fucking cut off my hand, I'm going to cut off my fucking hand. And uh, I just want, like, I feel a deep kinship with you. And the root of it is like, it feels like we both started at the starting line of like saying yes to our call. And it's just awesome. Like on the path, I just see you on a boulder and I'm like, Hey, what's up? I love the way that you just ran the first leg of this race. And you're like, brother, I see you too. And I love it. And so it's a pleasure to run the race with you. It's always a pleasure. Godsy. It really is, man. Um, thank you for that wonderful intro. It's um, it's special, man. You had me on your meta programming mm, podcast, the OG days, the OG days, <laughs> man. That was my very first podcast. Whoa, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Wow, like my very first time ever being on someone's platform, mm. and you really opened up that door, and. 
through the years, we've been able to really com- communicate and plant seeds and blossom each other's seeds and really support each other through what's going on. Yeah. And it's been such a blessing watching you specifically, but also people like you, people in the Fit for Service group and people around this whole community really grow into the people that we should become right? and into the people that we were destined to be and to follow our intuition and our daemon and really crack open that seed. And just thank you from my heart. And I know people around me, thank you for your journey. Thank you for putting in your work. Yeah. Thank you for saying yes for your path because we both comprehend that your path is also our path mm. and your growth is our growth mm-hmm. and my growth is your growth yeah. and meeting the people around you and intermingling and learning how to be people with other people and to still play, but also be on the journey of deeper discovery and yeah. find that balance and find that blend of, we went to a, uh, that concert last night mm. and oh, I'm totally spacing on the guy's name. Satsang. Yes, dude. It was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. And he had a line that was like the love that's already around you and the love that you're searching for or the life that's around us and the life that we're praying for and like finding the balance in that. Mm. And <clears throat> you've been an incredible example of that of really trying to harmonize the path that you should be on and and that we should be on as a collective. Maybe that's just an opinion, but to the evolution of consciousness and really help helping each other grow and, but also really embodying your path in the present moment and saying yes, right here, right now for the good of all really helping it grow. So thank you for real. Absolutely. There's a vision that I saw a couple of days ago It really feels like it captures the essence of, you know, as I grow, we grow, as I heal, we heal, as you heal, we heal is um, like, you know, one of the ideas that I'm most in love with is this idea of your dharma and your daemon and your dharma is essentially like your destiny and your daemon is the thing that remembers what your destiny is Mm. and is trying to communicate to the ego to bring you into alignment with that destiny. And the Greeks' conception of destiny was a golden thread. And so like one of the visions that I've had trying to like just process what this stuff means to me is like there's some tapestry weaver, you can call it whatever you want to call it. And it's trying to weave this perfect tapestry of material existence. And every thread in that tapestry is a person's dharma. And it's like this weaver is always seeing like okay this thread just left because this person died we have to put in this new thread here and the picture is always changing and so there's like reconfiguration of threads but there must be a certain amount of threads to hold the dark parts and the light parts of this living growing tapestry and it's almost like in order for your thread to emit color, you have to be in alignment with your dharma. And if you're out of alignment with your dharma, your thread can't hold the dye that was put into it and it just becomes this gray thing. And so if you imagine like if you are this tapestry weaver and you're looking at this tapestry, there's a lot of grayed out areas. 
it's not as full and as beautiful as it could be. And that the best thing that I can do, really the only thing that I can do, is be my strand so brightly that I almost imagine these strands as like striations in a muscle. So like it's more organic than just like wool. But like, can I give off so much light that all the striations of muscles that touch me start to wake up? Mm -hmm. And just to like live your life Mm -hmm. as fully as you possibly could to bring the most light inside of the strand to illuminate your part of the tapestry. And that that's such a divine task that it justifies the eternal tension that you will feel feeling into who am I right now and also who could I become? Because you're never fully who you could become. And there are some people who would want to create or adopt philosophies to get rid of that feeling. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of the spiritual community, like they don't want to carry that burden. So they create stories that allow them to spiritually bypass. Like one of the perfect ways that that is said is it's all perfect. That's technically not wrong from a high enough Mm -hmm. spiritual level. Mm -hmm. But if you take a moment to look into, okay, how are you using that phrase in the actions that you take? Mm. There's a great quote and it's, um, what you do speak so loudly, I cannot hear what you say. And I think the like, it's perfect story. Um, if you watch how people use that story to justify what actions they take, a lot of the actions that they take from that story is essentially confessing that they don't want to hold the burden of becoming who they could be and they want to stay who they are. And so I just share all of that to share like, I crush myself with the burden of who I could be. But I also see that as like, that's one of the reasons why it's, it's poetic and beautiful to be alive. And I see you do the same. I really love this idea of the fabrics or the fibers in the muscle tissue and how they work with each other and implementing that notion into when people like Don Howard pass or ascend. Or people like the Dalai Lama or these people that hold an enormous amount of presence Mm. and wisdom and energy and perspective. And what happens when that energy is no longer harnessed into a physical form? Mm. What is that ripple? And was really feeling a powerful ripple during the time period of Don Howard passing, man. Yeah. And... It really would feel like a form of transition or a transfer or passing of the torch, some people have referred to it as. Right. And to the people who may be on a similar alignment or frequency, are we able to feel that? Are we able to perceive that? It's almost like a reverse Highlander, like mm-hmm. that show where he would have to kill other powerful people and then he would mm-hmm. absorb their powers almost in the opposite that like when someone who holds a tremendous amount of power lets go of their body, um, their energy moves to the next generation of the people most energetically entwined with that being. 
Dude, if that's not para el bien de todos, I don't know what is. Like that is for the good of all, man. Mm. To embody as much wisdom and perspective as possible. Yeah. Like for the good of everybody else, period, on the planet. Absolutely. Like from here and on for our ancestral lineage, for the evolution of consciousness, bro. Like if that's not worthwhile, dude, I don't know what would be. Absolutely. Uh, There's a quote, it's a Greek proverb, and it's society is made great by men who will plant trees whose shade they will never sit under. Mm -hmm. And like, I just resonate with that so much. It's like, like I've spent a long time trying to justify to myself the guilt that I feel for what feels like an inadequate distribution of blessings and luck that I've acquired compared to people that I know. And, um, like the ultimate form of that alchemy is it's like, I am going to fucking Johnny Appleseed as much of the future as I can possibly Johnny (laughs) Appleseed for as long as I possibly fucking can to create forests and jungles because I was gifted with a lot of fucking seeds, you know? And what's interesting is the thing about Don Howard, like, uh, going down to Peru a couple of years ago, it was my first time traveling to do plant medicine. It was my first time stepping into like a real fucking container of someone who was a absolute master. And uh, I did Wachuma and then I did Vilka. <clears throat> but when I tell the story, the felt presence of Don Howard was more medicine than the Wachuma or the Vilka because it was the first time in my life that my nervous system felt what divine masculinity felt embodied. I had never seen it before. I had never felt it before. And it is something that I know like that lives in my DNA now because I got to experience it. And it's one of like, in many of these wisdom or mythical traditions, uh, they talk about like the lineage has to be passed down person by person. But it's because there is something can, that cannot be captured in words or image or music or poetry that is captured when one nervous system experiences another nervous system. And like I can feel it's so wild. Like when I'm in really challenging interactions with other nervous systems and I feel myself getting overwhelmed, I feel a little boy inside of me starting to freak out. I have more than once imagined, literally imagined with my mind's eye, Don Howard coming out of the abyss behind me and just going into my body and bringing his divine masculine stillness into my body to bring some soothing to the terrified little boy inside of me who feels like he's being rejected by this person at dinner. And in the same way, uh, like I can feel that I've given that gift to people since having Mm -hmm. met Don Howard. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's about, at least on one level, trying to transform these cycles of these erratic, traumatized nervous systems responding to other traumatic 
traumatized nervous systems. Like I saw a quote today and it's like, most of us, if you take a moment to think about it, may have never have experienced a non-traumatized adult. Damn. And it's, it's the power of doing the work. Like Don Howard is a human that I have met, that you have met, that has done the work to heal the trauma that comes from being a human in Western culture, in modernity, that when you are around him, it's like it instantly gives your nervous system permission mm -hmm. to begin to relax. Yeah, that really goes, Brett speaks into the concept of becoming the example, truly embodying the wisdom, embodying the example, being the model of behavior. And like those are the subtleties that ripple further than we could ever imagine. Because the presence, the soul, the nervous system, it picks up on the subtle sensations and the subtleties in your body language, in intuition, what's happening here. Where's this, you know, if, 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 if I was a woman, I think about this often, I've talked to women about this, but they're so intuitively well attuned that they can feel what this dude may actually be thinking. Is this dangerous? Should I be cautious? Am I welcomed and do I feel safe? Like that is down to the subtlety of our soul and nervous system, man. And if we can help more people feel calm, composed, welcomed, loved, cared for, feel like people hold compassion for them, like that's the way, bro. And we only really do that by feeling and holding the care and compassion in our own being. Yeah, for the little child inside of us. For inward and outward, right? In each and every direction possible. And through as many dimensional fabrics as possible. The more you go, the deeper you go in, in meditation, the deeper you unravel your own being, the deeper that you build a relationship with your own being, which in return is just us building relationships with other people. Right. Because we are that close to each other. We are one in the same, just with a different makeup on or different skin colors or whatever it may be, but down to the fabric of soul connectivity and divine presence, man. Like we are way more similar than we could ever be different. And in that, it's just beautiful, man. Get to know you. I get to know myself. You and Parker and everybody around me shows me a different version of myself. Right. And it's, it's fucking beautiful to learn from people that are really embodying their own pathway because it, it, shines a, it shines a beacon of light in a way that we may not be able to perceive on our own. And that's where community is so fucking important, bro. Or being around ascended masters and truly profoundly beautiful guides of any form of meditation space, like medicine or right. meditation in general. Like we get to really perceive the potential of deep work and hopefully bridge it for more purity and more beauty and more medicine for everybody to share ultimately. And you're doing that, bro. This I mean, podcast is that. Yeah. You're a chakaruna, man. You're a bridge. And this is interesting because when you look at the concept of like becoming the being, through a lot of discussion around this topic, people can begin to stress of like, oh, am I becoming this being? I need to do something in, in order to be that. 
But through my own process and perspective, it's almost about approaching it in reverse. It's about bridging that being into the present. Mm, yeah. It's about yeah. becoming the being, the vibratory sensation and presence in the moment we are in. What does wisdom feel like? What does care and compassion feel like? And that's where Don Howard was a maestro in a completely different realm. Is he was the the epitome of that in present moment, in present form. And it was no longer reaching to be the thing. It was almost like bridging and honing in what it would be in the moment that we shared. Yeah, the thing that comes to mind about instead of striving to become what you could be, feeling into the moment what who you could be would do now. Mm-hmm. And the metaphor that comes to mind is like music and dancing. And it's almost like if you imagine yourself walking into this beautiful ballroom in this castle, that's how my inner world works. And there's this song playing and you can see the outline of this, like what almost looks like a ghost or a spirit. And they're, and they're waltzing on this dance floor and you notice it's you. I think that we have this force inside of us that if we can get still enough and if we can get sensitive enough to listen, there is a song emanating from our being as we enter into any environment that we're in. And that song is trying to hint to us how to dance in this moment. And that if we, and the more we step into the dance that wants to be done from that force inside of us and the environment that we are in, I imagine you're, you're almost collecting atoms from your mm-hmm. future self, mm-hmm. you know? And it takes a lot of atoms to build you up. So there's a lot of moments. And you don't lose moments when you fall out of quote-unquote grace or out of alignment of what wants to be in the environment that you're in. But the song's always playing. As long as your heart is beating and your lungs are breathing, you have the opportunity to get mm-hmm. back into what that spirit is dancing on that ballroom floor. The thing that I, one of the things that deeply impressed me about Don Howard was his genius of being able to feel into what part of him wanted to come forward and dance given the container that he was in and how starkly those parts could be different depending on the environment that he was in. And so what I mean by that is when we were outside of the ceremonial container and we were eating lunch, he was a very gentle humor, like always slightly smirking, eyes twinkling, like grandfather energy. Like he felt like he could actually be a human from Alabama or Kentucky. Like he, he, the joke I make is that he remembers how to pretend that he used to be a person. Mm. And um, he could just hold space like that for four or five hours and just like sip on his tea or his water or whatever and let people tell stories and pretend to be intrigued by these human stories. No, I'm joking again. But when we would enter into the Maloka and we would begin ceremony, the thing that walked into that room was not the thing that was on the porch when we were talking about baseball. Like his effortless ability to step into profound, sacred, like shamanic energy was unlike anything I had ever seen, ever, anywhere. Like, still to this day, I have seen nothing like it. And um, 
on our very last night of him being in ceremonies, uh, we were about to do Vilka and Vilka is terrifying and people are afraid of Vilka. And essentially Vilka is a DMT mixed with specific chemicals that make the DMT experience last for like an hour. Um, if you put a hierarchy on intensity of, uh, psychedelics, it's probably the top. Um, and people were making jokes and people were afraid and like the energy in the Maloka was thick. And there's a lot of white belts and blue belts that try to hold space that when the energy in the ceremony is not as they want it, they get more serious. They try to almost over like how ought I be in this moment. And Don Howard was able to feel and into the environment, like just the just right joke, with the just right intensity that fucking shattered the heaviness in the room with giggles and laughter. And the joke was about dying too. Like, I don't remember exactly what he says. I'm not going to be one of those people that try to redo a bit from a comedian in a way that doesn't work. But like, I'm constantly trying to feel into like, what does that, song inside of me wish for me to do in this moment do i have the sensitivity to feel it and then if i have the sensitivity to feel it do i have the courage to act on it this highlights the power of presence like the power of true pure presence without judgment but to truly be well attuned to, to the moment and allow the flow and natural shift in the microcosms influence the bigger cosmic structure and to feel the subtlety shifts, the, the subtle shifts in other people around you and to still be able to be who you are, be genuine and care and feel if humor is the proper <laughs> approach or to feel if it's time to just to breathe and to ground. And without a doubt, like Don Howard was an embodied master, a maestro of perception, a maestro of presence. And two of like the main components that keep coming up for me over and over are mindfulness and perception. Mm. Like perception seems to be this full inclusive unconscious, conscious, subconscious, conscious way that we perceive the moment or the world that we are in and how mindful we can become of the little threads that pull and get tangled or are loose and need to be tied or whatever it may be. How mindful we can become of this ecosystem of conscious and unconscious patterns helps us determine our level of behavior, how we approach the moment, Amen. how we operate in the moment how willing we are to welcome and accept love. How if, if we feel some kind of thought like, oh, I need to say this so I seem smart. Can you be mindful of that? Can you feel what's going on? And can you comprehend that? Like the body, the heart is home base. Like the position in and behind our heart is the home of homes. Mm. And to really operate and behave from a place where we can feel that presence with each word, each moment, each breath, each syllable. 
and do our best to really flow with harmonious grace with, with other people too. And this is where being genuine to me holds so much weight and gravity because being genuine for me feels like it's genuinely sharing what feels proper without manipulation. Mm. It feels... proper to breathe and ground during our podcast because it feels proper to breathe and ground because it lowers the activity within our nervous system, allowing our discussion to come through much smoother and flow better and allow me to feel my heart more and to really be able to build a relationship during this moment. while also feeling the beauty within the moment that we share. Like, bro, we've been through so much to be here. Sharing our moment right here, right now, collectively, wholesomely, individually. There's other people in this room who have been in their own pathway to be where we all are. Yeah. These plants right here, these gemstones, there has been a process of maturing for each component to be sharing this moment with us. Are we getting caught up in these little fractals of this present moment, thinking of the words that should be said properly? We're just really doing our best to fucking be present. And people like you, people like Aubrey, people like Don Howard, people like Dr. Dan, you hold presence and you feel the depth drop. Like, bro, those are moments that you don't forget. They embed in our nervous system mm. and they embed in our soul. And that's what we, it, like it fertilizes our soil in a way that helps us really pollinate with other people. Yeah. And just rooting back into like, that's the fucking importance of community, man. And for each person really putting in the work in purpose, in meaning, and in intention, para el bien de todos, comprehending that this is going much further than we could ever fathom or ever imagine. Yeah. And are we going to get caught up in the fathom or the imagination? Or should we just be present and do our fucking best to bridge the beauty? Knowing and feeling and holding deep, undeniable faith that that would produce the proper blossom for the moment we are in. Just honing. Deeper into beauty, bro. You gave a list of names of people who are able to drop into that depth and you need to add your name to that motherfucking list because it just happened. Thank you. And I see the beauty of the healing happens in community because the woundings came from in community. Uh, we are not a human being who has no relationships is not a human being. It's dead. We are communal creatures and our wounds from which the healing come came from relationships. Almost always the first ones, almost always the ones with caretakers. 
And then the healing that we take on, that we accept, that we transform from, our being becomes the medicine for other people. And those drop-in moments, like I've never thought about this before, so I'm just going to riff here, but all of us seem to have this feeling of superficiality and surfaceness in most of our day. Even when you're with your friends, there's this feeling of like, we're on the surface of the earth, but the heartbeat of the earth is in the fucking core. And it feels like we're even on the surface of our own experience most of the time. And that depending on how perceptive we are, we can feel that there's like, there's fucking huge entities sleeping or slumbering or tumbling around deep below us. And people might go years and never really have like one of these drop-in moments. Like when you were talking and I've had this experience enough where like, I know when it's happening, I know how to allow it to continue to happen, but I keep my eye on the eye of the person speaking. And I can start to see everything around my eye slowly start to move into mushroom space where it feels like everything around the central point with which I'm looking is beginning to like breathe and like pulsate. And I feel in my body, this just, it's almost like my body somehow sinks deeper into itself in a way that doesn't make sense to my rational mind, but I felt it enough to know what it is. And I love the idea that each time that you have a moment like that, it's like imprinting something on the soul. And really what it feels like is it feels like a part of us is whispering, remember, remember. Like this space, this feeling, this like gear that the biology can get to, it is always accessible. And that like so much of the suffering in the world is the result of two activated nervous systems reacting instead of dropping into that space and then responding. And like the more that we can remember how to drop into this space, because like from this space, like I cannot do harm to another being unless it is being demanded in the moment, like if I'm protecting my child from a murderer, like when you're in this dropped in space, you're never gonna say something to someone simply to hurt them. You're never gonna lie because lie, every lie ever told came from fear. And when you're in this space, you're, you're not afraid of the truth. And it's like, mm -hmm. Can you be around people who know how to get their nervous system into this space? Can you learn how to get into this space? Can you remember how to get into this space when you are brought deeply out of this space by the triggers of the other person? Mm -hmm. And that the more that you can remember to be in the space in relation to other people, you are teaching their nervous systems, what Don Howard taught our nervous systems, what our nervous systems can teach our friends at times. And it's like, I really think that World War I and World War II did something to the collective that we still haven't fully comprehended, but the amount of trauma 
that was instilled into hundreds of thousands of people's bodies. And then all those people came home after the war and their traumatized bodies created trauma in all their children and all their spouses. And we're living with the echo of these world wars in ways that I think people still don't understand. But there's a counter wave. There's a counter movement, almost like a symphony that feels like it's been coming up in the last 20 or 30 or 40 years because of the introduction of these psychedelic compounds into Western culture. And it's not all coming from psychedelics. There are traditions in the East and other places in the world that can teach your nervous system how to get into these spaces. But there's this great idea that Terrence McKenna brought up and it's like the year that we created the atomic bomb, which is almost the like hilariously epitomized function of the worldview that led to the two world wars. I believe it's a year after the atomic bomb was created. Um, I'm blanking on the man's name, but the man who discovered LSD had a dream. He had a dream to go back and retest a chemical that he had worked on a couple of years ago that didn't have any response when given to a rat. He went back, it accidentally spilled onto his hand and LSD entered into the first nervous system. And Terrence McKenna was making this joke of like, whatever forces are paying attention to the game happening on earth, they saw that the monkeys got a bomb. They're like, we've got to balance this out. And it really feels like part of the conscious community. It's like there's this slow growing group of people who are willing to face the fact that they have traumatized nervous systems and to bring as much depth and calmness and peace to those nervous systems. And I feel like there's a counter wave rising. If that's not divine alignment, I don't know what is. And it's amazing when we are able to perceive the rhythmatic flow of existence of our planet, Mm. of the we perceived trauma and harm from our parents. How does that rhythmatic flow influence how we become parents? And so on and so forth. Hopefully it's for the better. Hopefully we get everything right, but there's probably going to be some pieces that we're still learning how to pick up. And that's the beauty of the, of the journey itself. But this concept of being able to drop in to provide like a deep form of medicine and healing for each other, just in those moments as reminders, bro, there's something about those moments. There's something about them in the way that one moment in meditation, you know, the double split experiment Mm -hmm. where atoms are getting watched through a camera, they're slipping through the slits in a very particular way, and the camera gets taken off, they move completely differently. A part of me really wonders if the molecular structure of reality when we drop into those moments no longer perceives us as viewers or cameras. And we become within 
the fabric of our reality or existence. Whoa, dude, my fucking nervous system is just freaking the fuck out. So hold on, let me sit with that for a moment. I've never considered this. What if the nervous system can get to a place where your eyes are still open, but the way atoms respond to you is as if you are not perceiving them? What the fuck? Whoa. (laughs) Dude, so let me try to articulate this. I've never thought about this. Okay. Uh, If I eat enough LSD or for sure DMT, uh, maybe I've gotten to this space only after having found these rooms because of LSD sober. But there's a fundamental thing that happens specifically with LSD where it feels almost like um, if you imagine that uh, any material object is like a really dense fog of atoms. And when you're sober, it's so dense that it doesn't even appear to be a fog. That once I get enough LSD in me, it's almost like the... um, the solidity of the object starts to like come apart. And I almost see like atoms like smoking off of people's bodies or chairs or tables or whatever. And there's a part of me that knows that the truth of my, of the objective world, which I believe I can't ever actually apprehend because of a whole line of arguments that we don't need to get into, but that, the truth of what it is, is it's basically an, an infinite cloud of atoms swirling around me in a way that is completely incomprehensible to me, but that I've evolved the prefrontal cortex because of I'm a body that has evolved on this planet to meet specific goals, that I condense the atom cloud into adaptive objects that allow me to survive, like cup or predator or mate but that I know that behind that is the swirl of atoms. And the way that I've always conceptualized it since this has started is as I deactivate my prefrontal cortex, I am apprehending the truth of the objective world. It sounds like what you're saying with this is it's almost like um, deactivating or activating whatever part of your nervous system allows the alternate version of reality, the non-condensed into the two splits version of reality start to come apart in the wispy atomic smoke. And an interesting thing to feel into, and I would love to hear like how you parse this, but it seems to be that if you don't have the proper balance between these two channels, you die. Like in our culture, we do not have a tradition where if you're too much in part two, that we take care of you. No, our tradition is we will, without your consent, you know, and so we we call these people like schizophrenics. Without your consent, we are going to strap you to a table and we're going to bring you to what we call a hospital. And then we're going to give you anti- psychotic medication without your approval because you're not fit to say yes or no. And that 
fundamentally what these chemicals do is they, it's almost like you're trying to put glue into an engine and it inhibits the movement of energy moving through the system. And so it feels like, like I just read this quote today, I'm reading Jordan Peterson's new book and it's something like uh, sanity is learning the rules of the illusionary game that the society is playing. He didn't use the word illusionary, but I threw that in there for some fucking sauce and some spice. But um, like, what is your intuition about how to navigate these two states of consciousness? No big deal. Just solve our mental health problem <laughs> in four minutes. <laughs> The way of the warrior is to establish harmony. Harmony. I fuck with that. The balance between yin and yang. The balance between like ridiculous depth and flow and willing and commanding a moment to be the moment that you will or command. Where should we flow and position ourselves to be able to navigate these dimensional realms? Maybe this is where Don Howard really believed in the heart, man. Mm. Maybe that's the harmony. The Maybe harmony? I'm sorry. I'm the sorry. harmony, I'm sorry. for I'm real. Sorry. Maybe that's where we are able to feel more of what's possible, what's actually going on, what's happening without getting too caught up in it. Because there's energetic shifts, man. Like when you feel yourself start to think more, like you get like tangled and shit gets weird. And, and like you feel the potential of thoughts from the potential of thoughts. And like it gets fucking wonky mm -hmm. and it gets stressful. And like your brain, your nervous system starts to like, gets to kind of tight, tighten up in a sense and it constricts. But when you move to the heart, it almost allows that to be because what it should be is what it should be. And a heart knows that. And it's really interesting when you look at like conditions where people are experiencing schizophrenic moments or that's a big part of their behavioral pattern because there's, there's some kind of article on like what a shaman sees in a mental hospital mm. and it's about like opportunity mm. and a way to ground and to better understand and like i really don't enjoy perceiving these things as like mental illnesses but Amen. more like conditions mental conditions or conditions of behavioral patterns and mechanisms ultimately and this kind of brings up to the point of the rainmaker which I freaking love the story, man. Like you blew me away with that in in Sedona, not Sedona. Wait, in Sedona, yeah. I basically tell it everywhere. You tell it everywhere, but it's because it holds a lot of meaning and depth. Absolutely. And something that was coming up when we were talking about like that balance between atomic structure and the fluidity of the structure and the flow is where do we reside in those moments? Are we able to really harmonize and balance between that? And is that the proper way of being? 
Because the second you acknowledge the flow state, you're out of the flow state. Mm-hmm. And the second you acknowledge like, oh, shit's kind of getting a little, a little more fluid. Like, do we begin to insert our will into it? What starts to turn on? Now, what's fascinating to me is not the fact that something is, something is trying to go somewhere. It's the fact that it's trying to do something at all. So like, there's a step behind that process. And there's a step behind that process that's behind that process. And that to me is like where the heart perceives, mm. like this harmonious way of perception. And it's almost as if we are within the pondersome of the ponder. And contemplation can truly be the proper way to perceive the moment and to really go with the flow and to build like deep relationships with the moment and with other people. And this is deeply interwoven with being genuine because we begin to manipulate things, shit gets weird. Mm. And we genuinely perceive from our heart of what's going on. And plant medicine can show so many different kinds of mechanisms, man. Whether it's like fucking thought patterns just spinning through thousands and thousands and thousands of thoughts per moment. That's a lesson also. How do we ground from that? You mentioned earlier, like these moments of when we get off the path, those are fucking blessings, man, because they show us how we feel when we are no longer within alignment Mm. and the process of Mm. regaining alignment back into the groove from that moment is the fucking wisdom that we should cherish and hold and share. Wow. Yeah. Right. And each person is dealing with those mechanisms in their own way and how we can regain harmony through the moment, like that holds so much depth, man. Like that's the way. That is the fucking way, man. And I don't know if I even began to respond or answer that question, but that's some kind of perspective on it. No, you did. There's quite a few things that come to mind when I feel into that. And the first is... I've been in the presence of a few people who were in the absolute throes of a psychotic break and that if they were in the presence of a different group of people, cops would have been called, ambulance would have came, they would have been strapped down, they would have been taken to a hospital, they would have been injected with whatever. I've also had my own moments, quite a few, where... um, if I had been in the presence of someone who was terrified at my, if, if, if I had been in the presence of someone not trained and afraid for me of, about what I was doing or what I was saying or how I seemed, that I would have ended up strapped to a bed in an ambulance and brought to a hospital and injected with whatever. So I feel like I've been on both sides of this. Is that like talking to your point of being able to simply contemplate like, Hmm, that's interesting. It seems to be that what psychedelics can offer if done responsibly in the right container is it can, you can choose to go face the dragon instead of waiting for the dragon to come attack your village and learn how to navigate fighting the dragon. And the dragon here is essentially when the what ifs become the most terrifying thing that you've ever experienced. Can you hold it lightly? Can you 
not respond with your body. Mm. So like what I've seen with the psychotic breaks is that um, contents of the unconscious, so like waking dreams, start to come into awareness. And the their subjective experience of the waking dream is, you know, it's it's like a really intense thought. And it feels true. And it's often symbolic and not literal, but maybe it is a literal dr- traumatic reemergence of a memory. Heart rate starts to elevate. Breathing starts to constrict. Muscles start to tense. They are in complete fight or flight mode. And then they do things or say things that they think will alleviate the feeling. Like fundamentally, mm-hmm. the reason that we do anything is to change our internal state. And when you're having a really intense, powerfully disturbing experience, anything that you say and anything that you do is essentially seeking to relieve the tension in the body. The beauty of meditation and the beauty of consciously doing intense plant medicines is you can hone the fucking warrior ability to experience anything and to just be in it. And it's so much motherfucking easier said than done. I totally get it. I totally get it. I totally get it. But it seems to be that the way that you even have Don Howard-like energy is you have cultivated through thousands of hours of practice the ability to hold any experience and to not react to it, to potentially even have compassion and love and curiosity about it. And that that seems to be the hallmark of like a healed nervous system is it's like throw bombs. I am still bring winds. I am still bring earthquakes. I am still metaphorically, of course. Do you want us to tell us about your community? (laughs) So, I mean, absolutely, (laughs) but bro, the ability to just perceive and be maybe one of the most profoundly beautiful and powerful things on the planet. And when people, that was a beautiful segue and actually smoothly move into that about the community, but when people open up, man, when people share things with you that they've never shared with any other person, when you learn about what women and children and people go through, man, how are we able to perceive that? How do we maneuver and move through those moments? Do we hold an open heart with care and compassion? Or do these stories that we hear determine how we actually treat other people now? People that now we see appear to be similar to what happened in this story. Now we hold judgment on that person, even though we don't even know who that person is. Just some random stranger walking by. 
when we build an ability to be present when people open up and share and build an environment for people to feel comfortable, that also comes within the ability to feel comfortable in our own body, man. This whole concept just loops through itself. It almost, it like builds itself through like the profound flow that builds it, that builds itself. And when we learn how to be calm and composed in an ice bath, it's the same ability, man. It's building an attribute. When we learn how to be calm on a podcast and not worry about these weird fabrics and fractals that can come from being in a position ultimately. And when we can breathe, drop deeper into the body, like it does that right there, it does more good than we can ever know. And that right there is an ability that can go with us during each and every moment we are ever in. And that's where like perception is really fascinating. <laughs> if we harness and hone deeper into our perception, can we move more wholesomely? Can we move more healed or wholesome? And you can really watch this build and ripple through communities, whether it's online, whether it's fit for service where you're gathering a hundred plus people together and you're with Christine Hassler and Stefanos and you're feeling immense healing take place. Healing that won't ever be forgotten within this body, no. in this nervous system. Healing that rippled without substance so far into the cosmos that it may have done more healing <laughs> than we could ever put a cognitive thought on. And when, when we feel that and we feel the beauty of that, we wish to share that and open that up for other people. But you watch this too, like there's a concept of holding space for other people in our online community and program of when we allow people to be vulnerable and open up, we show them how to hold space for other people by holding space in our own way. And that builds this ability. So now people are able to be whole, present, compassionate, and caring during moments of vulnerability. And that embeds into their nervous system. And they show other people that and vice versa. And it builds this ability where people can actually go off into the world and become better people mm. and actually be better people mm. and embody more wisdom, embody more presence, perceive from a more non-judgmental platform, which in a sense are all one and the same because they help build each other. And I mean, we talked about this when you were a guest speaker in our mind in our mindfulness group, man. Like the power of community. What um what can you attest to for just the power of community? That without it you die. That if you feel lonely, um, you are more likely to die an early death from some type of chronic illness than if you are an alcoholic or if you're overweight or if you smoke a pack of cigarettes a day, or if you live somewhere with high air pollution. And that, like, the mana that your life feeds on are your relationships. And that um, you have all the relationships that you have in your life, but then you also have an entire family a fucking tribe of people inside of you mm. that you relate to 
that relate to each other, that determine how you relate to everyone outside of you. I see almost like our ego is almost like this king or queen that can move between two worlds that is the king in one world and it's just an average motherfucker in this other world. And that um, like the health of the kingdom depends on how you hold the bridge between these two different worlds. Like it's almost like if you saw a child's movie where this king had to go through this portal to like save someone in his kingdom, but going through the portal, he just ends up as a random person in New York. And he has to like go figure out how to be a person in New York. Uh, but he's doing it to like save something going on inside of his kingdom. I really feel like, um, all of our relationships are a reflection of the relationships with the family inside of us. And we all have an inner child and that inner child has been wounded. That inner child is also a motherfucking God and has created a bunch of characters to protect it because it's terrified. And all of your coping behaviors, all of your addictions, all of the ways that you try to manipulate relationships to get what you want. Those are the characters that this inner child has created and the inner child doesn't want to be seen because it's hurt. And that your dharma, like your calling in this world is also inside of the wounded child. And that the work is to become aware of the guards inside of you, to teach them how to fucking relax so you can actually make contact with the inner child behind it. And it's your inner child that has your curiosity your creativity and your dharma embedded in it. And that anyone who is connected to their dharma becomes an automatic healing force to the people around them because it does a couple of things. People in their dharma give permission to other people to be in their dharma. And I truly believe mm -hmm. that the most effective way that you can heal yourself is to live each day in your dharma. I think most mental illnesses and most chronic biological diseases are the response of people chronically not living in their dharma. And that there's two ways to get to the divine inner child. You can do it subjectively by doing the work, or you can do it through relationships. You know, because one of the beautiful things about a great relationship is they will call forward your inner child because they'll feel safe. They also might be the person that triggers it the most. But that healing happens in the community inside of you and in the community outside of you. And for most people, they don't know how to be a good king or a good queen to the community inside of them. So they need to learn in the external communities. And then they can eventually bring that wisdom to themselves. It just goes to show how interwoven our internal and external environments really are and how much they influence each other. And the better that, you know, the better relationship that we build with our own being, our own heart, our own soul, our own child within, the better we are able to nurture and tend to other people's being, soul, and children within. Because one, we comprehend the process of getting to know this thing. And it's probably not going to happen without fucking bumps and scrapes and screams in moments that you're like, what the fuck is actually going on here? But if we can breathe and hone and still sincerely pay attention through those moments, 
Maybe we get moved way aside, but how do we come back to presence? How do we engage? How do we re-engage with this being within us? And it's really fascinating to relate it to the concept of like tending to your own garden. And if you tend to your garden, that can blossom fruit for other people. And you can now share that fruit and that fruit is going to nourish their being. Maybe that's just the way of like being the example and just saying the right word at the right time and not forcing it, but allowing it to be what it should be. And we all have those moments where sometimes things flow out of us in a way that was just meant to be meant to happen. And to honor that is almost as if it's honoring that depth of connection between those parts of ourselves with whatever vocabulary word you want to put on it, whether it's a child, whether it's our daemon or intuition or soul or just inner beingness. But how do we begin to communicate more on those levels? How do we hone deeper from this surface level way of perceiving? How do we actually share the nutrients in a more purified way? And that's what people are learning in your community. It is, ultimately. But I'm also asking you, Mm. how do we bridge deeper? How do we share our nutrients more in a a fluid dynamic rather than being caught up in the surface level? My answer is art. For me, it's art. I think each of us are artists. I think each of us have essential crafts that our soul is screaming out from inside of us to learn how to do. Um, And it's through our art that we make our soul manifest outside of our bodies. And that the artistic process is alchemy and that um, one way to do the healing is to find people outside of you who will hopefully mirror back exactly what they need to mirror back to you to help you heal the things inside of you or learn how to make art because in the process of learning how to make art you will have to contend with your wounded child you will have to contend with all of the parts that the child created to protect it you will literally see what it feels like to have your soul made bare and received by other people and it potentially be healing. You will never be satisfied fully. (laughs) You will constantly be humbled and you Mm. will be broken open again and again. And so external communities, therapists, mentors, things like that, they can help that work be done. I also think that there's an intrinsic mode of being that can be accepted, that can also help you do the work. And it's art. And fuck, you can do both. But for me, um, because I lean towards Mm. introversion, um, that has been my path for a long time. It's like learning how I art. Dude. I absolutely love this response because it comes, fuck man, it brings it so much deeper in the way of when you learn how to produce your own art, what's the framework? (laughs) How do you help other people learn how to produce their own art? This concept loops back around into Don Howard 
building a deep connection with divine presence and guiding other people and helping them build a deep connection to divine presence. He would never tell you what you're going to experience, but he would provide Hmm. the opportunity in the moment with purpose, meaning, intention, perspective, protection, and wisdom to help you blossom your own way, man. In a sense, this is what our mindfulness program is about. This is what the Expand Mindfulness Program is helping people do. Better comprehend their medicine from a fucking deep, deep place and learn how to share it with other people. What are the fabrics that hold us back from purifying our medicine? from really building a relationship with it. Who am I around that's more harmful than helpful? (laughs) Essentially, to explain this better, the process of the program is, the first phase is to align your compass. Really begin to move in the direction from what you currently understand as your internal compass of alignment. From there, It's better understanding your foundation, where you genuinely are, not where you think you are. Like, where are we? What are our daily behavioral traits? What the fuck am I actually doing day to day, moment by moment? From there, it's better understanding our environments, both internal and external, and how they interweave and build each other. Where do I go on a day-to-day basis? Am I hanging out in the bars? Am I going to libraries? Am I joining group meditations? Or am I doing something that isn't fulfilling in any deeper way? From there, it's emotions. Now that we better understand who we are and where we are, how do we feel about it? How do we feel about the people around us? How do we feel about our relationships with our parents? How do we build more care and compassion for that whole collection of information that we are now aware of? From there, now that you understand who you are, where you are, and how you feel, what the fuck are you going to do about it? What's purpose? What's direction? What's intention? How do we move from a deeper place now that we've broadened our perspective and gathered way more information with way better resources? From there, it's intuition. How do we properly implement these tools that we've learned along the way? When do we take an ice bath? When do we journal? When do we meditate? When do we light Palo Santo? And then from there, it's integration. How do we embed and embody these lessons in a way that truly allow us to become the example and share our medicine with the world? Like really comprehending the process of what builds our perspective and how that influences every other person around, internal and external. As someone who had the opportunity to be a coach uh, for one of your Zoom calls for your community and just feeling the container that you had and the community that you had there and the fucking experience that we all had together, And then the response from the experience and like your genuine championing 
of the people you bring in and the people that you help. Like you have my full endorsement and I really love seeing what you're doing. And for people listening, uh, if they're curious about how to connect, uh, where can they go to potentially have the opportunity to be a part of this? Currently, the best location would be expandyourself.com slash become. So it's expand without the E, X, P, A, N, D, yourself.com slash become. We have an application process. We are carefully curating this group because to what you just said, the people who are in this really, really matter. People who are ready and willing to become more mindful, to perceive what's going on, to confront some shit that may be difficult to confront, and who want to learn how to hold space for themselves and other people. Like, this is this concept pops up a lot of like this program is for everybody. It's a mindfulness program to help us better understand the world, but also it's only for people who are ready for this during the time period in their life. And it's not for everybody. There's a very specific kind of person that's ready to enter this kind of work and this program. And if you resonate with this, please apply. We would be more than happy to welcome you into our community. It's fucking special. It's been 10 years of work, man. Like really, it's taken 10 years to build this. And it's an honor to share it with people and to watch people grow and blossom and to find the inspiration to produce their own programs and to build their own communities. Right. And like that dude was an, like, an unknown factor of this. It was like, holy shit, what if the real path is we start this, but this also produces 400 other programs in the world and those produce programs and those produce programs and communities and groups of people like really holding space for each other. Like those are the seeds that just blossom and share and shed and blossom and share and shed. And it happens at fit for service. Absolutely. It's popping up everywhere, but it takes that, that Oak tree or whatever, you know, (laughs) example you wish to use to, to really share those, those seeds. Thank you for being one of the fucking trees, my brother. Thank you for sharing the fruits. And I look forward to the next cycle around this race when we see each other and we both (laughs) give each other a nod. I fucking see you. You're fucking doing it. Let's keep going for the good of all. Para el bien de todos. Thank you, Gazi. Thank you for enjoying the fruits. Thank you for sharing your fruit. Thank you for making a delicious buffet over here. You know what I'm saying? It's motherfucking delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Love. Thank you, man. Love you.